Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back, listeners. I have a very special guest for you guys today. I love these interviews, especially like the one I'm doing today, because I had absolutely no prep time prior to this um, podcast. So he and I are literally talking for the first time. So those are always for the most, uh, I think, the, uh, the my favorite interviews, because there's no agenda. It can go in any direction. And I know a lot of you guys like these types of interviews as well. So without any further delay, I want to welcome Mr. Ivan Estrada, to our podcast. Welcome to today's show, sir. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I did just recall. It was like, yeah, we didn't prep. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm actually excited. I think those are probably like the best ones. Yeah, thank you for that. And I uh, actually didn't feel a need to prep with you because you are a professional. Um, normally, when I have a podcast with somebody I'm a little shaky about, I'll talk to them for maybe a half hour, 45 minutes prior, just to make sure they know how to present and I can you know, coach them a little bit on what to say and all the rest of it, but I know I don't need to worry about that with you. So can you let the listeners know a little bit about you? I mean, they might remember you from being on TV. They might remember you from all your success in your real estate market, but just give them a snapshot so that they can have an idea of the caliber of the person that you have become in the real estate industry. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Um, So I've been in the business for about eight years. Um, I work at Douglas Elliman in Beverly Hills. Um, I've been, you know, my business is from Malibu all the way to downtown. I've built myself a pretty strong team out here. Uh, Before I was in real estate, um, I was in accounting. Uh, I was a CPA. I was a CPA for four years. Um, Went to USC Business School. So my background is really you know, as a trusted fiduciary and advisor to my clients. And I think that's really played a huge role in my success as a broker out here in Beverly Hills. And, you know, it's been an amazing ride. And, you know, even though it's only been eight years, I was just telling one of my uh, team members, I still wake up every single morning and I feel like it's year one because I'm super excited, super, you know, I'm, I'm a very innovative person. So I'm always thinking, okay, what can we do better? What can we do better for our clients? What can we do? What can I do better for my team? How can I be a better mentor? And it's, you know, it's been a, a great couple of years and I, I'm super excited for the future thank you for that and also so let's we have uh, this podcast will have over time probably 25 to thousand uh, 30,000 uh, downloads and listens so we get a whole you know obviously from all those downloads and listens we had a whole swath of people with different experience levels so let's try to share a little bit with people at all sort let the, the you know the beginning agent the middle agent and let's say the top producer so what three pieces of advice would you give or maybe three things you wish you would have known, say, nine years ago when you were thinking about getting into the real estate business that would have saved, your, saved you some uh, maybe uh, excessive trials and tribulations as you were finding your way to success. So I'd say the first one, um, I've been coaching now for about five years. So, you know, finding a coach uh, like yourself, having that mentor, um, I came in with the uh, – the mentality of, oh, well, you know, I went to business school and I'm a CPA, so I kind of know it all and I'm going to come in here and just kill it. 
And, you know, coming into a field where you really don't know the ins and outs, and especially as a new agent, this is for the new agent, um, you know, really getting that strong foundation. And, you know, that's the most important thing. So I think, you know, coming in, I think I wasted a little bit of time thinking I could do it all and not having a mentor or a coach. And I feel like no matter where you are, day one, you know, day, you know, year 35, having that coach and that accountability is very important. Um, you know, I meet with my coach on a weekly basis, and, you know, sometimes when I think, okay, what are we going to talk about? I feel like we're doing everything. Then you kind of get enlightened with a new idea or a new way of doing business. And so I think, you know, having that mentor, you know, even if, you, let's say for a new agent who doesn't have the budget for a, uh, for a coach, you know, having a mentor in the office, having that one person that you can shadow and really look at what they're doing um, so that that way you can become a really strong player, you know, not just, you know, in year one, but, you know, in year 20, because I still do a lot of the things now at year eight that I learned from a lot of my mentors, you know, year one and year two. Um, I think the second, um, you know, this is for the also any agent, middle, um, beginner, advanced agent is video. So I built my brand. I started doing video about six years ago. And I remember at the time, my manager was thinking, you know, you're wasting your time and you're wasting your money. You should door knock and, you know, you should cold call. And again, those things work. You know, they do work. You have to just do them all in conjunction with each other. But, you know, the fact that I started doing video early on and, you know, adapting to YouTube and then to Instagram and using Facebook and a lot of these portals that are free – um, you know, I started kind of making my own, you know, kind of, I wouldn't call it a reality show, but a hosting show about design. It was more, you know, real estate design, architecture, you know, the kitchen of the future, um, you know, transportation of the future for Los Angeles. So I started putting together some very you know, amazing content that I really enjoy doing and putting it up there, you know, just I think right now in a day and age where people are starting to, you know, I send things to my clients all the time and they don't want to read, you know, it becomes where a time where people just want to click on a play button and just get their information as soon and as quick as possible. And so I think video is also, you know, another great tip is make sure you do video. And the third tip is, you know, what I talked about, um, you know, Going back to the basics, you know, the I still do postcards. I still do my calls every single morning. Um, you know, we still door knock. You know, all those things still work. Um, you know, I think there's a mis- big misconception, especially as we go into, you know, you know, 2020, uh, a lot of the newer agents think, oh, well, as long as I post something on Facebook or on Instagram or, you know, or as long as I do something, you know, social media related, I should be fine. But I think, you know, that is great and that's part of the success formula. But really going back to the basics, you know, it's all about people. And I feel like right now, now in age, you know, it's a lot of people would rather text than call. You know, I think a call is so important than a text. You know, the networking aspect, the visiting your clients, even though, you know, when they're not expecting you and, you know, showing up with a bottle of wine or a nice handwritten note, you know, all those little things that, you know, agents have been doing for 30, 40 years, those things still work. But you have to do them all together in conjunction with the social media and the new tech. And, you know, now there's AI and all these other things that are being integrated into the market. You know, you have to do every single one of them to, I feel, within the next couple of years, you know, to to be a very successful, powerful, and, you know, advisor to your clients. And not just, you know, an agent, but an advisor. 
So if you had, I'll just, I, I appreciated everything you said. We actually use the analogy of spokes on the wheel when uh, helping agents understand which order they should do uh, as far as lead generation, which is what we were just talking about. So, you know, listeners, here's the bottom line. You want to do the proactive spokes first. Those are the spokes that are going to put you in contact with people the quickest that's going to result in a, tra uh, a real estate transaction the fastest. And so if you're having to decide, he, you just heard, and remember, he's been in the business for eight years. The guy's a professional. And you heard him rattle off the things that he's doing. I'm sure he does them all, most of them at a very high level. If you're trying to get started in the business, you always want to do what's going to be proactive first. So the idea, uh, for example, of reinforcing your online or your offline communication with online media makes total sense. But if you think you can build, and he said this, if you think you can build your business strictly based on online, well, maybe eventually over time it's possible you pick up some deals. But really the online is supposed to re, uh, reinforce the offline. And here's another thing that's interesting. And podcast listeners, you can listen to all the past interviews we've done. It seems like the old is new again. Everybody used, you know, was it seven, ten years ago, social networking is the greatest thing ever. But now what do you hear, and what are some of the best-selling business books that are coming out nowadays? Like my uh, friend Jeff Blunt's book, Fanatical Prospecting. It's, one of the, it's like been a bestseller in New York Times forever. Because what's happened is folks are realizing if all my competitors are texting and messaging and doing all this passive social stuff, maybe if I really want to stand out in my potential or my current customers' minds, what I should do is pick up the phone or meet them in real life. So it, you know, just right. be very clear, listeners. That's the thing. Ultimately, you've got to be thinking if everybody else is doing the passive, you have to do the proactive. And by the way, everybody else will always do the passive because it's the easiest thing to do and requires you know, basically not a lot of skill and uh, virtually no rejection. So keep that in mind. If you're not experiencing the success you want to experience, it's because you're not doing enough of the proactive lead generation for sure. Any thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a touch business, right? And for me, it's, you know, uh, getting in front of my client is the most important thing. Um, like, for example, I'll give a couple people some of the things that I do. Um, you know, on a monthly basis, I invite not just clients, but also people within my sphere of influence, attorneys that I work with, CPAs, um, you know, financial advisors, and I invite about 20 to 25 people to my house. I'll have a little wine, a little bit of cheese, some appetizers, and just really connect with my clients, with my sphere, have them connect with each other. I do that on a monthly basis. And then once a year, I throw a big party. I throw actually two big parties, one for my family clients who have their kids. We do something at the park. We have ice cream. We have clowns. We have Aladdin. I mean, we have all of that fun stuff. And then we have our adult party where we have it at a beautiful restaurant. We have – we put – we videotape the whole thing. We have photography. We have ice sculpture. I mean, we go a little bit above in the top because here in the Beverly Hills market, it's, you know, people are expect something a little bit more, but just having that time with my clients, you know, just even if it's just, you know, 30 minutes for coffee or sending them, you know, a handwritten note if, you know, nobody does that anymore. Um, so just spending that quality time with them. I mean, that's, that's, that's how I gotten most of my referrals is when I see my client in person without me saying something, they'll say, Hey, Oh my God, by the way, my neighbor was just telling me he's thinking about moving or relocating. Why don't we walk over there? You know, that would have never happened if I would have knocked on my client's door. Or if you just would have texted him, never would have happened. Or if you just oh, would have, it would have no, Yeah. It would have been nothing. Yeah. Exactly. It never happened. Yeah. 
But that's ultimately, guys, if you listen to folks like him who are very successful, they always say the same thing. I, we were interviewing uh, Frederick Eklund. You know, he's been on our show a couple times. And, uh, yeah, he's in my you office know, now. Think, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. That's true. Well, yeah, he just moved to L.A. Country, right? to Douglas Elliman. He's, he's right across the way from me. <laughs> I love I love what he said um, on our podcast. He goes, uh, you know, I wake up every morning and I, you know, walk down to the street and everywhere I look, there's somebody who has to who is in real estate in terms of wanting to buy, sell, lease, you know, buy another one, lease, get that kind of thing. So Ed, that's the cool thing about real estate is everywhere you go, people are actively in the business or looking to buy or sell or lease for that matter, or you know, would be if enticed to do so. So when you're when you're face-to-face with folks, guys, it's easy to have those conversations. So if you've yet to figure out why you're struggling in real estate, I think this applies to you know, the three groups that I promised we'd get some advice from, the beginners, the middle and agents, and the top producing agents. If you're struggling and you're in the first two groups, I promise you, the bottom line is you're not having enough meaningful conversations with uh, folks that are you know, looking to buy or sell real estate. It's really that simple. By the way, how do you or how um, directly – do you ask for business when you're at one of your events? How does that happen for you? Um, you know, it, it's it's now kind of been like set into my brain where it just without being, uh, you know, sounding like a script, like, oh, by the way, do you know anyone who's looking to buy, sell, or rent in the area? Um, I always kind of throw it back to them. Like, for example, um, at my last party, I had a, I just closed on, with a client. And, you know, I told her, you know, how it was a pleasure working with her and we had such a great time. And I said, look, it was such a pleasure working with you. Like if any of your friends and family are just like you, I would love to work with them in the future. So if you, you know, if they ever need my services and my advice, I would love to be a resource to them and, and, and to be their broker because I just had such a great time working with you. And, you know, it, and that was that kind of came out without even asking like, hey, by the way, do you know anybody looking to buy or sell? Like I feel like people nowadays – you know, we're being sold left and right in the media, on our YouTube, on our, you know, Facebook, wherever it is. And, you know, I feel like that was, and that was genuine, to be honest, like she was a pleasure to work with. And if I can have more clients like her, my life would be a lot easier. Obviously, if she was a client that I did not enjoy with, I probably would not ask her for any type of referrals. The point was, is that you ask for the business, you're letting them know. And podcast listeners, this is incredibly important. Because if you think, even if you're having a party for them, even if you're giving them wine and cheese, if you think they're going to send business without, to you without you having to bring it up or ask them, you're wrong. Because if you don't ask them for business or at least you know, suggest to them that they could think of you when it comes to real estate, if you are not overt about that, they're going to assume, A, you're lazy, B, you're too busy, C, you don't want to do business with them. I guess the takeaway is if you're not asking they're going to assume ultimately that you're not interested in doing business with them. So you have to ask. You have to be overt because nothing good comes from you not asking. And that's a big bugaboo yeah, and- for agents. Why do you think that's hard for agents to ask for business? Was it ever hard for you? It was. It was. I For me at the beginning, coming from the background of you know accounting, I, I always wanted to come out as like, 
I hated that word salesperson. You know, you're a salesperson, which means to me I'm I'm bugging people to and then I'm trying to, you know, sell something to them that they don't need. So for me it was, oh no, I'm you know, I'm a trusted advisory and a fiduciary, which I am, but you know, I always felt like I was bugging someone or that they were gonna say, Oh, okay, now now all the only reason you were talking to me was because you need a client. So for me, I was telling myself this story in my head, which was a completely false story that no, don't ask because they'll assume that you know they know what you do and they'll come to you when they need you. And like what you just said, after I started asking people, the first response was like, oh, no way. Well, you look like you're so busy. I didn't want to bug you. I, actually, I had a friend who just sold their place, and I had this other friend, and I didn't want to bug you. You seem so busy. Like I didn't even want to bother you. So – if it wasn't for me asking, you know, like they say, me and my mother, that was, you know, rule number one in business. She was an amazing businesswoman. If you don't ask, you don't get, you know, and, and, and as long as you're asking in an authentic way and it doesn't come out, you know, in a way where, you know, okay, you were just you – know, the only reason you asked me out for coffee was to get business from me or the only reason you invited me to your party was to get business from me. You know, it has to come from a place of really wanting to help and really wanting to contribute and adding value to that person, and then it's completely fine. You know, it's, it, Like I said, it was a story that I was telling myself in my head, which was completely false. I hope everyone listened to what he just said. He saw, said it so perfectly. That really is the bottom line why so many of you are struggling because your egos are preventing you from asking a question that would result in you know, so many more people wanting to send you business. Um, and so many agents are afraid to ask for business that they're never going to get the business that by just you asking, you're all of a sudden going to be a seen as a, a, a professional, whereas any other agents that these folks, your potential clients come in contact with will be seen as, let's just use the right word here, lazy. All right, so you sell a lot of really upper-end amazing properties. I mean, you're in Beverly Hills after all. So three pieces of advice you'd give to somebody who is wanting to sell at your, the properties that are at your caliber, what, what suggestions would you have for them? Um, so how I got started, because I grew up in a very like middle-class eastern side of Los Angeles, um, first of all, is a, it's a mindset thing. So mindset number one. My mindset was I didn't grow up in Beverly Hills. Um, I don't know these people. These people will never buy from me. So that was a big no-no. So having that mindset that no matter where you come from, as long as you're, you know, you, you're a strong player, you keep educating yourself, you know that you can handle it. Um, that's, I think, the biggest thing for, for anyone because for me, that was the thing that was deterring me from going after the high end was I didn't grow up in Beverly Hills. They would never sell with me or work with me because I'm not within the community. So mindset is number one. Number two is really connecting yourself to these type of – these individuals have teams. So they have – they're CPAs. They, some of them have business managers. Some of them are working with a financial advisor, with a life insurance person, with a trust officer at a bank. Um, really going out and networking with these types of individuals who are most, most of the time the decision makers of who this, their clients are going to hire and going out there, meeting them, taking them out to coffees, really showing your value at. Like what makes you different? Why would they come to you and hire you for their client? Because obviously when they hire you for their client, it's also their reputation on the line. So 
why would they hire you instead of someone else who's in their Rolodex or some other agent that they know? And this, I mean, this will take some time. So for me, it took a couple years to really get to know these individuals, really get them to understand how I work and what makes me different. And number three is really embedding yourself into the community. So, for example, here in Beverly Hills, we have a ton of events on a weekly basis. And so really getting yourself, you know, in that community, doing the open houses in the area. You know, there's a lot of charities or organizations that a lot of people with a, a lot of funds are doing and spending time with them and really genuinely getting to know them because for the high end, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. We're like, oh, well, you came to this charity event, so I'm going to give you my $20 million listing. Usually it doesn't work that way. It's more of a long-term relationship building um, timeline of getting to know someone. For me, it took a good three years to really get my first larger estate. And then from then, I did it. I just killed it, did a really great job. And then they referred me to the friend and then to another friend. And then I really started, you know, like I said, with the open houses, going to a lot of the foundation parties, a lot of the charity dinners, and really immersing yourself into that community. That's really the, you said it perfectly. And I, every single, uh, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the business manager phenomena is mostly a West Coast thing. When you go out to yeah. uh, New York or some of these other markets, the wealthy people do not have business managers for the most part that will control their decision making. But if you're listening right now and you're wanting to figure out how to break into the upper end, mostly in the L.A. area, but it's obviously an incredible market, you're going to have to know how to network with the business managers. And we're talking we're not just talking celebrities here, too. That's the thing that surprises a lot of people. Though, for the most part, celebrities definitely use business managers. And the way it typically works, and, you know, uh, you can lend your own stories to this, but the essence of it is, is that business ma- you, you network, they'll show, throw you a bone, they'll give you a shot at something. You won't necessarily know who the customer is, you know. Yep. You'll be selling it for a trust, and it might be after closing that you realize you just sold this, you know, rental property or this condo that this person had held on to forever, and that they're super famous. Other times, mm-hmm. I know some of the older celebrities. I don't, well, in age, but also people that you know been around for a while. They don't use business managers. They'll do everything themselves. So, I mean, you have to have some interesting stories to share with uh, folks about, without dropping any names, because I'm sure you're under NDAs. Any stories you'd like to share for the, you know, Midwesterners out there who can't relate? <laughs> <laughs> well, I did sell a house. This was last year to a very one of my biggest idols in the music world. Um, and, of course, like you said, the business manager did not release the name, didn't tell me who it was. And I was showing the house, and she showed up and was drive, walking up the driveway, and I don't get choked up. I, I mean, I live, I was born and raised in L.A. I see you know, these types of people all the time, but it's this one individual who's on – I mean, she's everywhere right now. She's everywhere. And she was walking up by herself, you know, no age – obviously, I was her agent. She was walking up by herself. And she's like, you know, good morning, nice to meet you, and nothing came out of my mouth, like nothing. And I've never done that, never happened, and I was very embarrassed, and then I was like, oh, man. And so I started, like, coughing, and, and then I just said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I just I, – I, I think I got choked up a little bit. I was, like, just, you know, having my breakfast coming up the hill. So, you know, and as I was showing her the property, I'm literally walking behind her and silently saying to myself, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And, of course, like, you know, I'm not – I can't, you know, tell you who it was, but she was the most incredible 
amazing person. I mean, she's been doing this. She was she was 17, 18 years old. She's now, I would say, 50. And she's just incredible. And I was just, you know, not just an amazing entertainer, but an amazing person. Like, I had such a great time working with her. She was incredible. So I think that's probably What's, the only time that yeah. I've ever been starstruck. Well, you're bringing up something, a really interesting point. So what would your preconceptions are of uh, the upper end, upper end, the very, very top of the market? How wrong were you when you started selling real estate? Like, did you assume that people would be very confrontational and snobby? And I mean, what were your perceptions versus reality now that you've been doing high-end real estate for so long? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right right off the bat, I felt, okay, these are going to be people who are going to, you know, they might look down on me because I'm not at their level. They're probably going to be rude. They're going to be snobby. They're going to be needy. Um, and, you know, there, I'm sure there are people out there like that. Um, you know, I think there's people like that at no matter how much money you make, right? But, you know, it was such a – it was – for me, as I started really servicing this community, I started realizing, wow, like – no, they're just they're just like everyone else. They're they just they have the same needs that everyone else has, you know, the same wants. They just have a little bit more money than we do. And you know, as long as you really I think especially people in that price in those price points and you know, when they're making a certain amount of income, you know, they just want to make sure that you have their best interests and that you're, you know, they're being protected. So I think, you know, at the beginning some of them are a little bit standoffish. You know, they do have a little bit of a wall, but as soon as they understand and know through your actions not what you say but through your actions that you do care for their best interests that you are watching out for them that you are acting to them as a trusted advisor that's when all the walls come down and you know most of these people that's that's how you start getting referral business from these individuals you know they feel like you took care of them you took your time to make sure that they got the best deal that you walked them through everything that there wasn't a time in the transaction where they felt like, oh, is he telling me the truth? Is he not? Is he, is he just going after the commission? Does he have my best interest? So I think, you know, it's there. I guess the conclusion to my story is they're just like everybody else. Definitely. So here's a fun question. You actually said something I think we need to drill down on is ever so slightly. Um, being an outsider, not having been born and raised in Beverly Hills, not having gone to the boarding schools and the all the those types of you know experiences, not having that in your background. Has that actually worked to be an advantage to you or a disadvantage? So I think at the beginning, in my mindset, was it was a big disadvantage because I felt, well, you know, these people have been, you know, networking their whole life. You know, I have friends who, you know, are in the business and, you know, they've been playing golf and going to the country clubs and, you know, all of that fun stuff when, you know, I had no idea what a country club was when I was, you know, 12 years old, 13 years old, uh, growing up in the East part, and part of Los Angeles. I think for me, it's been an advantage because it really made me work that much harder, you know, because I felt, okay, well, these are, you know, they've been they went to prep school. They've been going to the country clubs. You know, their family is very in tune into the you know the community. They pretty much have been naturally networking their whole life, and so that just really gave me the the oomph to like really work harder to to do whatever I could to stand out because I feel a lot of my friends and I'm not going to overgeneralize because a lot of them I mean they're they're all very different but I would say a good majority of them you know they kind of just 
sit back and just kind of ride life instead of really pushing for it because, you know, they kind of feel like, well, you know, I'll probably get a, a, a referral through dad or, you know, my friend that I went to, you know, Beverly Hills High School with. And, you know, I think for me it's a constant, you know, up climb. And that's what really helps me become more innovative in what I do, um, provide better service for my clients, um, work harder in, in building a really strong team. So I think, you know, in my head, it was a disadvantage, but I'm actually very grateful and very blessed that it, you know, that it was an advantage because that's what actually keeps me going. And I'm pretty sure, you know, sooner or later, it's going to help me swing to the top when a lot of my other friends are just going to, you know, just kind of just, just glide and just go with life instead of actually pushing forward and trying to, you know, be out of the box and, and be the best that they could be. I have never come across anybody in our business who is successful, who does not see themselves as a scrapper, which is what you just described. Seriously, I've never come across anybody that was, you know, born on third and acted like they hit a homer that was really successful. They may have acted like it, but they, they truly weren't. And I've, I've often wondered why, but I think the real bottom line reason why is because most of the folks that you're doing business with or prospective sellers are just like you, right? Maybe there were scrappers from the, in your world, they were scrappers because they had to come up and, you know, master being great actors or musicians or business people or whatever, but they're people that, for the most part, had to earn their own way to success, and they recognize that same scrappiness in you. If you don't like the word scrapper, you can replace it with something else, but it's a compliment. So oh, that's those fine. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who are listening, it's very important that you listen to everything he just said because you are making a bunch of stories up in your head as, as far as why you're not more successful. And most importantly, it's a common question, how can I start selling more expensive real estate? You just heard him say, gave you some great ideas and how you can start selling some more expensive real estate. The main thing is, is move out of your own way. Stop thinking that you can't because at the end of the day, like he said, they're just people. They're just normal people with normal needs. Yes, they have more money. Yes, they maybe want their, you know, a few more security cameras and the walls to be taller and all, you know, so people can't, you know, peek in or sneak in for that matter. But at the end of the day, guys, they're just people. And if you treat them with the respect that, you know, all of your customers need to be treated, then you're going to find there's no limits to where you can go in this business. So I'm curious, this will be my last question, unless you have something else you'd like to chat about. Where do you see yourself, and I'm not going to even say five years, but where do you see yourself in like two years, where do you where do you envision yourself to be in 24 months from now? So 24 months from now, I am I'm continuing to grow my team, which for me is a uh, you know a, a, I really want to take over my market. So I need I know that I can't do it by myself. <laughs> so I need to really you know find the people that share my value system who are diligent workers. You know, the underdogs are always my favorite because those are the ones that, you know, really want to prove not just to themselves or, you know, not to others, but, you know, to themselves that they can actually do it. So I feel like building a really strong team um, for me on the business side is one of my biggest goals. The second goal, which I've been really, you know, growing up for me, I didn't really have many role models. Um, you know, I didn't know – I wasn't sure where, where I was going to land because, honestly, you know, growing up from immigrant parents and growing up with, you know, very limited means, I didn't really have a lot of, you know, people to look up to or dreams or ambitions, role models. And so 
my, I really, within the next 12 months, I really want to put together a foundation um, where I can help younger, and it doesn't have to be just Latino children, children of color. It could be everybody. You know, I feel like there's so many areas outside of Los Angeles. People think L.A. is like, wow, it's fancy and beautiful and the weather and the beach. And, you know, and, yeah, some of those things are right. But around the surrounding areas of L.A., there's a lot of areas where there's a lot of poverty. And a lot of kids who have no role models, you know, they stay within those communities. They're up to no good. And really putting something together where I can help these kids become good business people, become good, you know, not real estate agents or whatever they want in business. I mean, I was very lucky to, you know, have that self-ambition and, you know, drive and have really good parents who really pushed me to be the best that I could be. But not a lot of kids out there have that, and they're not lucky enough. So for me, I really want to put together something where I can help kids out, where I can be a role model to them, where they can have a place where they can learn about business, opening up their own business, or working for a business, and really being successful. So I think that's my uh, two-year goals. I like it, man. And you know what's the Furthermore, that's going to further your business, obviously, because you can't accomplish that without being a lot more successful in real estate. So that's a great way to entangle personal and professional. And I'm sure along the way, too, it's going to require a lot more networking with a lot more well-off folks. It'll help you to do more uh, you know, real estate transactions. It's all good. So, listen, I really appreciate you being my co-host today. If they want to uh, get a hold of you, send you any business, if they want to, you know, <laughs> it's up to you whether or not you want to give your cell phone. But I will warn you. If you choose to, you will get a lot of texts and phone calls, I promise you. If, however you want <laughs> them to communicate with you, it's up to you. How would you like them to communicate with you if, they, if they'd like to connect? That's fine. So um, they can go to my website, which is Properties. Um, and on social media, Instagram or YouTube, I have you know a ton of my videos that I do that you know I always tell people just copy what I'm doing in your market. I promise you it'll work. So Ivan Estrada Properties <laughs> on YouTube and Instagram, and you know my phone number is anywhere. Ever, you know it's it, I have car wash ads, I have bus benches, so might as well just throw it out there again. So you know feel free to text me. Calls are great, but texts you know I can always then call you back. It's just a lot easier because I'm always running around. So my phone number is three two three. Five seven four, twenty three seventeen. Great. So listen, man, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, thank you for being so. I knew you would be professional, but thank you for being so professional and not holding anything back, and uh, you know, helping our podcast listeners uh, to earn their way and learn their way to the levels of success that you're enjoying. So, hey, man, God bless, and thank you very much for being my co-host today. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Have a fantastic day, everyone. Thank you. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.